You're listening to the Bible Brush Up Podcast, and today we are looking at the book of 1 Samuel and taking a look at the character Saul. Saul is Israel's first legitimate king, and he comes on the scene after the Israelites are demanding a king from the prophet Samuel. And the reason they're demanding a king, um, for one, other nations have a king, and the king is usually going out before the nation into battle. He's the one who leads the charge. But furthermore, Samuel has been acting in the capacity of a judge for several years now, and he is getting old. He's about to die. And the descendants of Samuel, his sons, are not like Samuel. They're evil. They're wicked. They're not going to be able to lead the nation of Israel into prosperity like Samuel has done uh, so successfully over his lifetime. And so they are in a um, predicament where they need some good, strong leadership. And rather than turning to God and asking him to raise up a strong leader, uh, they instead tried to duplicate the successful model of other nations and demand a king from Samuel. And through a series of conversations, God tells Samuel to give them the request, and the character Saul is anointed king. Before looking at Saul in more detail, I'd like to first take a quick snapshot of the climate in which he ascends to the throne. Israel looks significantly different during this era than it has and different than what it will look like when we get to King David, who will eventually rule in Jerusalem. At this point, Samuel is making a circuit, and he isn't making a giant circuit. It's quite small, but he is moving between three territories that are significant for Israel at this point. Bethel is one of them. Gilgal is another. And Mizpah is another. Mizpah was the home of Jephthah, the prophet. We have Gilgal as the place where the Israelites crossed over the Jordan when they were first entering the promised land. They set up stones as a reminder that they had crossed over on dry land. And then, of course, Bethel is a very famous place in the history of Israel as it is the, the house of God is what it means. And that's where Jacob had first set up an altar in commemoration of the vision that he saw of the angels ascending and descending to heaven. It was a place where heaven and earth intersected. And so it becomes very significant to the Israelites, and it becomes a center of not only worship in some instances, but also a center of political communication and even a place at times where um, God's word is dispersed through the prophet Samuel. And as he's moving around, this, these are all pretty much right there in the heart of the tribe of Benjamin. So Benjamin becomes a focal point of this era of Israel's history because it is there that Samuel's operating. If people wanted to get a word from God, they had to come to Benjamin. And it, I don't think it's any coincidence that when the people demand a king, that king arises out of Benjamin. And we get Saul coming from the house of Benjamin. And even though Saul, when he is first told that he's going to be king, he sort of recoils and states that he is from the least of the tribes. And he refers to Benjamin as being a small clan compared to the other nations. But the point is, is that Benjamin, even though they may be small in number and size, they are actually quite significant because it's where Samuel has been and where God is doing most of his communicating with the entire nation of Israel. 
And so Saul is anointed and he becomes the leader of not only the Benjaminites, but also the entire nation of Israel. But I'd like to take a minute to look at the character of Saul and the development of that character because Saul is often depicted as this evil villain. And in fact, he is. He becomes this character who pursues the life of David and chases him into the wilderness and the mountains. He uses his military uh, force to try to kill David because of jealousy. He throws a spear and a javelin at David on multiple occasions when David is there playing a harp, trying to soothe and help the king. And so Saul is a villain and he is evil, but it didn't start out that way. In fact, you go back and you read these chapters that we've just concluded here in our reading plan, and Saul's actually a good guy. Uh, He starts out looking for his father's donkeys. He's worried about his dad's livestock. He wants to make sure that the family property is taken care of. He's responsible. And so he goes and he ventures far and wide looking for these donkeys. And then they stay out so long that he begins to be worried about his dad's feelings and his uh, dad's nerves because he's worried that his dad might start worrying about him and the servant that are out looking for the donkeys. He doesn't want to put undue hardship on his father by being gone too long. They didn't have a cell phone back then. He couldn't check in. Uh, He couldn't send him a Facebook message. So he was about to give up his quest to look for the family donkeys to go back home just to comfort his father. But then his servant comes up with an idea to go and to see Samuel, to go see the prophet. And since he's a servant, Saul could have just dismissed his idea and said, "What do you know, you're just a servant. But no, he listens to his servant. He's open to other ideas. Um, and so he, they're going to go see Samuel and find out where the donkeys are. But then we see another good characteristic trait in Saul. Is Saul doesn't want to go to him empty-handed. He wants to bring a gift to him, but they've emptied all their bread. But the servant has a coin, and so they're going to bring some money to give to Samuel because Saul doesn't want to see Samuel empty-handed. And then when Samuel reveals to Saul that he's going to be the king, and once they get to a point where they're casting lots to reveal who that king's going to be, we find Saul humbly hiding away because he doesn't have this pride inside of him that would allow him to exalt himself above everybody else. He's just not that kind of character at this point in the story. And then further, you get further on, and we see that he is told by some, um, he is rebuked by some, I guess I should say, when he is announced king because they say, is this guy going to rule over us? Is this guy going to save us? And then once Saul actually goes into battle and wins his first battle, then all the people gather around him and they say, bring out those lousy worthless fellows who were saying Saul would never rule over us because Saul has proven himself and they want to kill these guys. But Saul says, no, no one's going to die this day. And so he doesn't even retaliate against his enemies at the beginning. And he even gives glory to God saying God brought about the salvation that day. So they're not going to taint this day of the Lord with bloodshed because somebody's jealous about what someone said or angry and wants to retaliate. That's not the kind of guy Saul is. So we look at Saul early on, and he has so many good attributes and so many fine qualities that you would want in a king. But it doesn't stay that way, unfortunately. And God, through Samuel, warns the people of events that are going to transpire. You get to chapter 12, right around uh, verse 13, 
And it says this, And now behold the king whom you have chosen, for whom you asked. Behold, the Lord has set a king over you. If you will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, and if both you and the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord, your God, it will be well. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you and your king. And then he goes on to say towards the end of the chapter, he says, only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. And I think Samuel is pointing this out, that now the covenantal relationship between Israel and God, the same covenant that was enacted between Moses and the Israelites and, and God, that covenant is still in effect. They are still subject to that. Just because they've transitioned from a theocracy to a monarchy, the rule of God to the rule of man, that does not remove these covenant stipulations. They are still expected to uphold the law if they want to be prosperous in the land that God has given them. And yet, now this covenant it no longer hinges upon just the people, but it hinges upon the relationship between the people and God and the king and God. So if this one king is evil before God, he is a representative of the entire nation. And so he can bring the entire nation down just because of his personal evil agendas. And this is something that Israel needed to know, and Samuel warned them of this, that he was going to be a representative of them. He's going to, to demand a lot from them, and this is going to be the downfall of the nation. We're going to get a brief glimpse of hope and light in King David and King Solomon, but once you get beyond that, there are very few good kings. And when you get into the northern kingdom, splitting away from uh, Israel, from Judah, you end up with a string and a line of evil kings, one right after another. They never have a good king that lives up to this standard. And so it becomes their downfall and the reason that they are uh, invaded and taken over by the Assyrian armies later on. And so this is all just a reminder of how quickly things turn. Saul looked good, but through this temptation of power and the temptation to exalt oneself, he finally succumbs to that temptation and pride sets in. And it's just a reminder to us that we need to remain humble. We need to remain grounded, knowing that we are absolutely nothing. Even if we rise to prominence, even if we gain an audience and people listen to our words and love what we say and they are quick to compliment us, uh, all of these things, they might feel good, but they cannot drive us to a new perspective of ourselves because at the end of the day, we're just vapor in the wind. We are nothing without the power of God and God and God alone saves. He is the one who delivers. He is the one who is righteous and holy and anything good in us is simply a reflection of him working through us. We'll pick up right here next time on the Bible Brush Up Podcast.